0: The basics of life, a heart that. So it blessed me in that way, but was what he showed me after the fact was, it was even more of a blessing. This lady had 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 this diagnosis and gave me an opportunity to pray with her and talk with her for just a few minutes in her garage there. But what he showed me after that, it was he answered my prayer. But he was answering, he was putting his eyes on this lady. She told me just 20 minutes before that some people came over with a prayer shawl. I guess it's a Something they knit together and then they get together and they pray over it and then they give it to the person. And she was, they were there just before that. So God had his eyes on this lady and his finger on her. And uh, it was, that was a huge blessing to me. How about his faithfulness to us and to his people? And I mean, she, I think she's getting tests and stuff this week and hopefully she has good, good report. I don't know. That'll, that'll, we'll find out, I guess. I don't see her very often, once in a great while, when her car dies, so. Um, But what allowed me to be able to answer that call that he gave me was the connectivity that I had with him. And that's what I kind of want to talk about today, it's about being connected to the vine. Um, It's not a mental connection. It's not something we for, our mind forces us to do, it's a heart connection, it's a, through our spirit. Um, it's, it's in our nature to find out and worship something. We see it through all out the world, people worship something. People have something built into them the way God designed them to seek something. And we can convince our mind what that is all the time. And actually, that's one thing that kind of came to me when I was thinking about how to explain this, how that it's not a mind choice, it's a heart choice. Is What tells your mind what to think? Your mind doesn't make up your mind. Your heart and your spirit talks to your mind. You think about praying in the spirit, that's something that your, your heart, your spirit does separate from your mind. So this is where it comes from. Um, and what can distract us from that from that connection because we're constantly wanting to be connected know what he's doing know what he's saying throughout every minute of our lives that's my goal anyway and uh, I get distracted a lot and that's what breaks that kind of connectivity and he was teaching me a lesson this week as I was driving around um, he was pruning the vine um, I was. My mind, the, I don't know if I say the devil, but my mind can set bait for myself because it knows what gets me off, off track. And, I, and it was, it was, started out not funny, but then it got really funny because uh, I was driving, you know, the south um, entrance into Kirksville. When you come off six, you merge 45 miles an hour, you merge, you go right in. Never happens in this town. Everybody slows down almost to a stop and then tries to get in front of you. Well, I was coming back into town. Someone did that, 20 miles an hour, right in front of me. <laughs> so I had to jab the brakes, and I had thoughts going through my mind right away. And uh, I didn't, it didn't stop there, though. It, it, my, my mind and, and I took the bait. And I just sat there, and it, while I was driving, I was arguing with this guy in my mind. Anybody ever do that? I mean, yeah. I, I want to see a show of hands real quick. How many of you... Pl- th- and I was, I was on for like probably five or ten minutes in my mind driving around arguing with this guy in my head. <laughs> and so I'd completely taken the bait. And what, was, what got even funnier was um, God got me focused on what was on the radio, just, just like that. And it was uh, a song that was on there, Let the Redeemed of the Lord Say So. <laughs> and that's when it got really funny because I don't know if anybody, I'm sure enough people here have seen Medea. From Tyler Perry and she says this thing about um, if you're redeemed and the Bible says if you're redeemed the redeemed of the Lord say so so if you're redeemed and someone does something you don't like you can go beat them up and say so <laughs> she said that's how that scripture works so then it started getting really funny because prescripture yeah she says it's a prescripture <laughs> but that it got really super funny that but it was it was God working on me at the same time, showing me what I was doing, how I was getting baited away from His His what He was talking to me about that day, and He right to that Second uh, Corinthians ten five, where we have to take every thought captive to obedience of Christ, and that was a very very teachable moment that He used <laughs> for me that day, <laughs> um, and it was kind of a reminder. Uh, that when we surrender our lives to Christ, and this is something that keeps me aware of things quite a little bit um, when I'm not baited off into the distraction, that when we, do, when we surrender our life to Christ, he, is, he gets a theater chair right in our heart and our mind to watch and see everything that goes on. So I started thinking about theater chairs, what are we, people? different postures people have in there, or even in your own home. You know, how many times you throw popcorn at the screen because you don't like what's going on? Or, you know, get mad at what's going on. Um, I think of Jesus sitting there. Maybe you've been a Christian for years and years and years, but you don't do nothing. Maybe Jesus is in that chair fast asleep waiting for something to happen. It's a very, very boring film. <laughs> Maybe he's at the edge of his seat. That's where I'd like to see him, thinking, what's this guy going to do next? What of, where are we going next? I kind of think of those different postures of how you can be in a movie theater um, or even watching a game where you kind of get up and cheer once in a while rather than sitting there. So stuff like that kind of went through my mind. Um, it's about the awareness of His presence in everything that we do. Um, I was listening to a preacher, Bill Johnson. He gave a, a pretty good example about awareness, how, how that it can... We try and, I try and make physical examples of awareness because sometimes it's easier to understand that way. But he gave a really good one about if someone is to give you a ring, like I'm going to give you a ring, sai If you keep this ring for one week and return it to me, I'm going to give you a million dollars. Sounds like a pretty good deal. You'd go for that. But now if I come back in a week, this, this ring is worth $10 million dollars. If I come back and it's lost, you're responsible for repaying that. Still a good deal? I think I'd still go for it. I mean, just keep it. You know, that's an easy million dollars you think, but during that week, you're going to be aware of where that ring is. You're going to be either sewing your pocket shut or, you know, even socha, you'd be feeling that thing, make sure it's still there. And the way he's told this story is really good because what we carry in, in Christ and the Holy Spirit is much much more valuable than that ring and the awareness of that and our reward is much much more valuable than a million dollars and we can carry that through every day of our lives and that, that awareness with him causes much growth um, I'm going to read out of uh, John 15 um, the first eight verses I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it might bear more fruit you're already clean but because of the word which I have spoken to you abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine Neither can you unless you abide in me I am the vine you are the branches he who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit for without me you can do nothing if anyone does not abide in me he has cast out a branch that is withered and gathered up thrown into the fire and they are burned if you abide in me and my words abide in you you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. So the Father is a vine dresser. He owns the vineyard. Um, he's the one who, the, the vine dresser is the one who uh, prunes, trains, cultivates, provides nutrition, food, and the water for the for the vine. Jesus is the true vine and we, of course, are the branches. We want to be connected um, to him and it's kind of like, I'll use you for a minute, Sai. Right. So he's divine, I'm connected to him. Everything I do, everything I do is going to come out of what that is. It's not going to be something rotten. Everything I do is going to come out of that. Um, you can't get away from that. In the world, I mean, we kind of see people, we say, well, that person's producing bad fruit. Well, they're not connected to the vine. And in, I guess, the best way to say that. Sometimes we can get judgmental as Christians. Um, a sinner's gonna sin. They're gonna produce bad fruit. It's not our job to judge that or judge them. It's our job to produce good fruit in front of them and love them. Um, sometimes you can think, well, I'm doing great, and I'm loving Jesus, and but this person's falling off her hill, and, and you're just watching instead of helping. And, um, so if someone's producing bad fruit, it's not because they're connected to Christ. But they can be. Um... We can, we can see how the, how the vine and the branches and all that stuff works through all of creation. God created a cycle with everything through, uh, I mean, you got an apple, you eat the apple, you plant the seed, you get a tree full of more apples. It's just, and it glorifies God, that's how he did creation. And the cycle is in all kinds of things. We've, um, how the trees produce oxygen for us to breathe. He's got, he, he's got it so set up, it's so cool. Um, it's his design. Um, everything that we do comes out of that connection if we are taken away or or, um, separated from that connection it says that basically you're just a withered branch or a stick a stick ain't good for nothing it doesn't even produce bad fruit I mean, a stick you can throw around for the dog a little bit, but it eventually ends up in the campfire or getting burnt. It's not good for nothing. So that is super important about that connectivity. And um, maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just human nature. But I know that sometimes if I have a really awesome experience with God or something like that, and it and it is awesome, but sometimes it wears you out. It can really wear you out. I've been to camp meetings and stuff when I was a kid, and um, it seems like in my family the day after everybody was meaner than a hornet to everybody else because their body was just wore out from all this stuff and it just came from a super awesome experience with God uh, so we have to be patient with each other and that kind of stuff but it can kind of wear you out but you have to remember how you who you're connected to and how he treats people um, and in being connected to Him, we're going to produce fruit. It's just the way it is. It's going to be good fruit. When you're connected to Him, you're going to produce good fruit. It's not something that you have to strive and and really go after to make it happen. Like Juan, in your garden, it would really kind of be weird if you went out there and you saw the tomato plants or you could hear the tomato plants groaning and striving and (laughs) claiming tomatoes. It just wouldn't happen tomatoes grow because you feed and water them and they come that's natural product of what goes on it's not something we have to strive to do it just happens in our lives when we stay connected to him um, now as we're growing as we grow connected to the vine the father is going to bring the pruning shears and a lot many times pruning is connected somehow negatively as a punishment. But it's not. God actually rewards all growth with pruning because God's goal, God's, is is productivity. Um, we think about the parable. There's two parables I I've thought of here. The um, parable of the talents in Matthew 25, 14, And then there's a parable about the i think it's called minas both of them are sums of money that the master gives to um servants and gives them charge over for a year and we know that some of them got in trouble because they just buried it they buried their their money didn't do anything with it but the other ones did things with it and it produced more and i just brought this up because i thought it was interesting that in these both of these stories um, the five turned into ten, the two turned into four over a year 's time. Um, to me on this anyway, God is so in, in, it 's so important to him how we produce more. The profit margin on this stuff is a hundred percent in one year i think that 's pretty cool that 's why it 's kind of I thought about the God falling asleep in a chair watching your movie, but if you're producing a hundred percent profit in a year with God's pruning knocking the things off of your life that you, that are not being effective you're expecting a hundred percent growth that's awesome he, he don't mess around when it comes to producing um, his economy is linked to his voice to his word through the Word of God and through the Word talking to you through the Holy Spirit and, and um, guiding you through, the, through your life and in your everyday things. Um, pruning and, and kind of what I looked up in here is pruning and cleaning are kind of the same thing. It's, un, it's removing unnecessary or unwanted parts. His Word will do this um, by adjusting our values um, teaching us not to argue in our heads over nothing <laughs> I mean complete waste of time but I've done it so many times but he adjusts our values to be more effective and more productive he's removing the unnecessary and unwanted parts that's what pruning does um, I try to come up with a few examples of that in the Bible here which is pretty neat uh, the stuff in Luke 9 I just I'm not going to pull it up there or anything but um, there's uh, the the part there where Jesus starts um, giving authority to the twelve giving his authority and begins to send them out to do the things that he's been doing he's been preaching and teaching and and uh, healing the sick delivering people um, <laughs> as far as delivering people I had a really good one this week too <laughs> the uh the guy who's demon possessed with the legion or whatever, I thought this was really interesting. If you're worried or concerned about um, sharing the gospel or witnessing, this guy was demon possessed with and run around naked. He'd eat the people's pets or cats and dogs. He'd eat them things and and in this village that he lived in, he was really a terrible person. But when Jesus came in, this guy was just a really neat point there too this guy falls down and starts to worship Jesus he's full of a legion I don't know how many that is of demons but they those legion of demons can't stop this man from worshiping God I thought that was really cool and of course God delivers him and he puts clothes on and he says I want to go with you and Jesus says no you can't you can't come with me go back to your village and this one guy no experience whatsoever just got delivered he's known by reputation for eating you know animals and being crazy and running around naked he's the one that jesus sends to go talk to this town by himself no training whatsoever and he does i mean could you imagine being that guy yeah i'm the guy who is naked um god changed me <laughs> you know sorry about your cats you know so you know this is, this is this guy's witness to this town, but this town gets delivered from this one witness with no experience whatsoever. I just, uh, this a little side note there. I thought it was hilarious about, if you're nervous about going and witnessing to people, I think you can handle it if this guy can. <laughs> but anyways, uh, he gets ready to send the 12 out. Um And he sends them out. He gives them his authority. He sends them out to do the same thing he was doing without him physically there with them. And uh, they return, and they're all pumped up because of the things they've seen, the things they've got to experience by their own hands through the power of God. And he didn't just send them out. He sent them out to their hometowns. Um, He sent them to go to the places where people knew them. And... You know how it is when you go to your hometown. There's no honor for these folks. So they have to go there. They're not going there with some kind of um, pomp and circumstance. They're going there with people that actually know them. I mean, here comes a tax collector telling me something, you know, or the fisherman. But they come back with great success of the things that have gone on. And so they're, the, What I write right here. I want to read this. Sometimes that, Things that are in our hearts will only be turned up will only be emphasized because of success that we have realized kind of like if Elsa if you had an undefeated basketball season the next year would be pretty simple you'd be like hey we're undefeated no big deal we're gonna do it again some things that you have in you are only going to be realized emphasized through success and that's what these guys had just experienced massive success so they're Doing awesome. They're growing. And what does Jesus do when they come back? What's he find them doing? They're arguing about who's the best. They're arguing about, and I can kind of see how this would happen because I si may see something in his town that he did and it was amazing and I may see something like, well, what I did is better than what you did because I experienced it. and you know, So I could see kind of how that argument would go. But they had great success and god had to do bring the pruning shears in here because he had to teach them what greatness was how the little child coming to the father coming to the end of the kingdom is what true greatness was not being the best about how the least to be the the greatest in his kingdom so he had to do some pruning in there um, One of the things that happened to the disciples as they're doing this is they began to dream about or um, start to think about personal significance that they've never had before imagine a fisherman going and seeing these magic these awesome miracles and so he's gonna start thinking that he's got some significance he's got some um, something to put on national TV and sell or something you know, so he had to prune back the um, I'm not sure what the word is for it, but he had to prune them back the so they don't go crazy with the look what I did stuff the my ministry type stuff. he had to prune that back, but he didn't he sent them out, and they came back with great success. There was great fruit. And the pruning had to happen so they could produce more. No, that's not going to be about my ministry. It's going to be about what Jesus wants to happen. Um, and he trusted these guys enough to turn them loose on their ho- hometowns, which is really... Sometimes the f- faith that Jesus has in us and our abilities is amazing to me. Compared, And we try to look about us having faith, but this, sometimes the faith he has in, in us is, is pretty crazy. Um, it gave them confidence in what they did, um, and sometimes, I mean, all of us have different gifts, things we're good at naturally, and things gifts that God gives us. Um, but we need to make sure that they stay under the lordship of Jesus, or they can get to start producing leaves that look pretty, but that's not real fruit. Um, an example of this is Peter. He was gifted with boldness. He would say anything, he would be right up front and just go for it, but he always stuck his foot in his mouth. I um, mean, he cut this guy's ear off. He actually was the one who was rebuking Jesus. I mean, this guy just performed miracles and all this stuff in his hometown and he comes back and starts rebuking the Son of God. <laughs> Not a lot of wisdom right there, I don't think. That was not under the lordship of Christ. But when he put, when he submitted, and that's what a lot of being connected to the vine is, is submitting your whole life to that. He, when he submitted under the lordship of Christ, Peter ended up preaching to a hostile, very hostile crowd, and 3,000 people were converted. That's the fruit that was produced after the pruning. So God is making that, Um, Grow and produce in all of these different things God's main thing is to see us succeed and to see us produce and then um, the example of the this is right in the same same chapter there where the uh, he'd just given them the lesson about what true greatness is and they start talking about how they'd found some people casting out demons in Jesus' name. And they told them, knock it off. You don't do that. That's, and they were telling Jesus about it. And what Jesus had to do here is straighten them out again. He, there was, the good part of it was the loyalty. They were showing loyalty to Jesus, which is good. Especially, I mean, nowadays loyalty is hard to find. But they had loyalty to Christ. They had loyalty to him. They're saying, These guys aren't doing stuff like with, with us doing it. They're doing it outside of that. And so that part of their fruit was good. But what he had to prune back was that um, I don't read this part too. I wrote it so I could remember how I wanted to say it. Loyalty to the group is good but the loyalty to one in the kingdom does not mean disloyalty to another. And Jesus told them, if they are not against us, they're for us. And what this did is set up for awesome increase because you're not just got 13 people now, you got all these other people doing the will of God out there and seeking Him and spreading the gospel. So it set that up for massive increase at that time. James was, or James, or John actually was known for his zeal for um, getting out there and being excited about all this kind of stuff. And this is really the, um, the other example I had here was at the same time there was the Samaritan. Let me look here real quick. I think it was, um, yeah, the the Samaritan village um, rejected the Savior, and. John come up with this great idea. He comes up to Jesus and he's ready to sell this idea. Well, why don't we just call fire down and burn the place up? Because they rejected you. That's he's got some zeal, and I think about it is he was ready to do it. He was ready for if Jesus said said do it, he was going to do it. So what kind of meetings were they having in their hometowns that this guy is convinced he can pull fire down from heaven and blow you know burn the place up? They must have been having some kind of meetings and seeing some stuff that really. Because they weren't scared to do it. They thought it was a good idea. So the stuff these, it makes me kind of think of the stuff these guys must have seen and been a part of. And, it's, and what excites me is we all have access to that through the vine. Um, but he kind of got way off to the left on that one. Uh, the zeal was good. The passion was good. But it was very misdirected. And Jesus just told them the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives but to save them so he had to have a special pair of snippers for that and cut that one off before it got weird yeah as it was getting weird right there but the zeal and the passion for expanding the kingdom was in their hearts so It was pruned and then produced more. Um, What I think is kind of funny too is the beginning of chapter 10 there. um, I mean, some of this stuff, you think about like these guys are kind of going crazy with some of this stuff. But chapter 10, Jesus is thinking, this is working so good, I'm gonna empower 70 more people (laughs) to do more, to grow more. Um, As long as we're willing to hear and let him speak change into our lives we will grow and produce more fruit we have to be teachable we have to be able to take his word and say okay instead of well, I'm going to do it my way because that's usually when he stops talking until you come back to that point where you're ready to change into what his his desires are um, and or, go down to let's see verse 7 on there again I'm going to let me read that again. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. And that my words abide in you part, how many of us over our lifetimes and in everyday experience have had God tell us something about ourselves, a word given to us, maybe from a friend or from the word? And it's not necessarily for everyone, but it's for us. Just to take back out and mull over, see what it means to us. Because sometimes he tells you something and you're like, what is that? It takes a while to figure it out. Um, he puts that stuff in us to abide with, to keep, to meditate on. And through that, as we listen and hear and let him change us, relation relationally through that relationship um, it will cause us naturally to pray for the things that the Father wants. It won't be our wish list anymore. It'll be His wish list. And, I mean, uh, I've heard people, will say, well, I don't, God doesn't talk to me about stuff. And it's kind of comical, kind of serious, but, uh, can kind of tell him when's the last time you talked to him about something he wanted to talk about because he doesn't always want to hear about a wish list or I mean he'll listen but he's got desires too and through this relationship with him as he prunes and moves us forward we'll learn how to naturally pray for the things that as his word as we abide in his word we'll we'll learn to pray for the things that he desires and we'll see the income what this does is it sets up a system that we can be productive forever in everything we do as we follow that. And the Father is glorified through the much fruit. And the fruit in this um, example here is the answered prayers. It's where we, it's long before this, but in this part here where we have this relationship, we're no longer called servants, but we're called friends. Through our relationship, we discover his desire for us and for the ones around us. And then as we pray and that lines up, the desire lines up, the prayers will be answered and he'll be glorified. Um, there's two different words in the New Testament for the will of God. Um, and one of them basically is just the stuff that's set in stone. It's the will of God for example Jesus returning it's just gonna happen you can believe it or not it's that's what it is it is what it is it's set in stone the other one is like a dream or a wish Um, so it makes me think what is the dream and the wish of our Heavenly Father to bring about change in the earth through people through relationship a restored relationship with him what he created us for and begin with so sometimes we're about the destination I, I mean I've been saved before I for fire insurance um but for him it's more about the journey the journey we have with him as we grow more produce more grow more produce more he values that journey that relationship with him um and we begin to want God's dreams to come true on earth, which is His kingdom on earth as it is in heaven, that in, uh, we hear in the Lord's Prayer. Um, his plan to have a covenant with people that can make a difference in the history of the world. God's dreams, God dreams of a hell-bent, rejected society on earth being completely redeemed and restored to Him, and that's where He turns us as we continually grow closer and closer in our connection with Him. And that's pretty much what I have for today. So I, I challenge you in this, in I, as you go out through this next week. Ask for ask for an assignment. Ask for something different. Ask for Him to put people in your way. Um, ask for a word to give somebody he won't let you down he'll smack you right in the head with it he is so faithful and so ready to do this and then when you get out of whack let him prune you back and there's no there's no shame in pruning at all because he rewards us with pruning so if you hear the you hear the shears coming behind you you should welcome it because it's good news it means you're growing So, I guess let me pray and then we'll dismiss. Father God, thank you for using us. Thank you for the relationship restored. I pray, Lord, that this week you would be in our forethoughts, not in our back thoughts, in everything that we do. Interrupt us when we sleep, interrupt us when we're awake, Lord. Put your word in us as we study and as we hear your Holy Spirit guiding us through the day. In Jesus' name, thank you. Amen.